Oh, it's good to have fellowship. Amen. And, uh, you know, we, we have been gathering like this, uh, uh, brothers, for, for uh, after the, the uh, spring uh, Itero here in Anaheim, uh, for at least, at least 10 years, uh, maybe, maybe approaching 15 years now. Um, at the very beginning, uh, it was just a handful of brothers, um, and we just felt we were from different parts of the country. I think for, at first it was just uh, um, in the U.S. or maybe including Canada. And um, we just felt since we're here, we may as well you know, take advantage of uh, the time and, and uh, just come together. We're really no agenda except to seek the Lord's leading um, and with the kind of a heart and spirit of, of uh, pursuing and advancing and always improving. Um, of course, the Lord has done a lot to, to raise up uh, a, a second generation, even a third generation in uh, so many churches. And, um, and we always uh, um, are, are aching in our heart that we don't uh, keep all of them. And uh, so we, we are always trying to exercise how, uh, how best to reach them and also how best to implement um, the fellowship that we received both from Brother Nee and Brother Lee concerning how to care for the young people, to make sure that even in this we are following the blueprint and the principles that they, that they have set forth. And uh, uh, of course, throughout, through the years, as the years go by, we discover more ministry. And uh, you remember it was 2011, right, that the book came out? Yeah. Yeah, in 2011, May. Um, many of you probably know about this, uh, this one publication entitled Raising Up the Next Generation for the Church Life. And uh, that book with 26 uh, chapters, uh, uh, it, it's not a, it is not a new writing. It is not a particular uh, conference that either Brother Lee or Brother Nee gave. It's, it's nearly not even one particular message, although there, there are four, four messages directly given to the young, you know, on, on this topic that were incorporated. But most are excerpts from many different publications and so on. And uh, there is a section concerning the children. There is a section concerning young people. There is a section concerning serving ones. There is a section concerning parents. And uh, I, I can uh, testify both personally as well as knowing the responses of the saints in different places that we've gone to and presented this that many saints realized they, we were not carrying things out exactly uh, according to what what was in Brother Lee's heart. And uh, we've been exercising very much over these, uh, these last few years to have a turn to uh, not just do something, to copy something or to change something just for the sake of changing. We really always want to first enter into the burden and see the principles and then see how we can uh, apply these things where, where we are. Um, but anyway, as, as uh, time has gone on, uh, even, even the fellowship in, in, in that book, we felt it's good for us to come together and find out from one another how we're doing in, the, in this kind of application. So we, we still would like to do that today. And, uh, and we, let, we, we, we do have these two outlines prepared here, but this is not, uh, I hope no one would take this as that we're just going to give you some uh, messages. We, there's something on our heart, definitely, 
that we feel the Lord has uh, uh, burdened us with, and we want to present this to you in a spirit of fellowship. Uh, but we do want this as, as, a, as a fellowship, as a two-way fellowship, so we, we, we do plan to leave time, uh, especially at, you know, at the end of each session, so for some response, even if you feel some report from, from your place that would be good for us to know. It's something either positive or negative. We learn from both. Um, we, we'd like to certainly give the time, give the time for that. Uh, may, maybe, maybe we'd ask this. How many, how many of you have been with us in these times before? Could you, could you raise your hands? You have been. Okay, so majority of the brothers. Okay, and then how many, this is your first time. Let, let's see the, oh, wow, that almost looks like a majority. That can't be. So I guess it's about 50-50, 50-50. Well, welcome then, welcome. We, we are always open for, you know, um, that, that we could learn together that we could learn, learn together and learn from one another. Um, we have, uh, in, the, in the most recent years, um, the last three years specifically, we've presented in, in these sessions um, the, these, these topics. One was, I think three years ago, it was entitled The Present Direction of the Work with the Young People in the Lord's Recovery. Uh, two years ago, we presented uh, Spiritual Activities, Spir proper spiritual activities and exercises. Proper spiritual activities and exercises. And these, were very, these two outlines very much pick up or highlight these two points that we've seen concerning uh, Brother Lee's burden, especially for the, concerning the, 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 uh, the young people, um, is uh, number one, uh, seeds of the gospel. That, they, that all of them would be produced as seeds of the gospel. And of course, this actually does not start when they're young people. This producing starts when they're children and to, to lead them to always have the heart to, uh, for their friends, Amen. just to invite friends and bring friends. And, and we even practice a kind of a children's gospel meetings and neighborhood children's meetings. And, and, and this, is, this is actually you know, uh, uh, gaining momentum, I would say, yeah, even in different countries all, all over the earth. Um, uh, so anyway, that, that's one point about the gospel. And the uh, second thing is concerning the young people, uh, guiding them to enter into the church life, that they could have a church life, their own church life, from the moment they're baptized, that they would enter into the church life, and that we would not have what we, what we describe as a parallel church life, where, where, where they're in the church life among us, uh, but they join the Lord's table, and then they go to their meeting. And then the saints don't see them for any other thing during, during the week or even throughout the year. They have their own conferences, their own activities, their own... In some places, we, we even got to the point where we were having young people's Lord's tables. And we realized that's not, that was not what was in Brother Lee's uh, uh, heart. Um, so anyway, that, that was kind of the emphasis of those. Last year, we presented something that we call the uh, structure of the young people's work. And uh, the, this actually uh, were these four, four, these four points, which, which are exactly the four great pillars of the Lord's recovery. That is truth, life, the church, and the gospel. So you see that the church and the gospel are still there. Church and the gospel. So 
we presented this uh, last year. Um, what, what, we, what we have the burden to present this time, uh, for, I think you can see from the titles of these um, uh, outlines, uh, is something very basic. And, and, and we, we do feel we, we need to come back to this basic point of shepherding. Um, actually, shepherding really uh, is, the, is the girder, the, the, the holding of all the points. Anything that we do, any activity, any exercise that we have, actually the main point, the first point, is really shepherding. And, and um, you know, we, we have presented this, uh, uh, this point before, that there are, you could say, four factors to the, to the work with the young people. And it's kind of like a table that has four legs. And we presented these four points of shepherding as the first, and, and the first one is the first one, must be the first one. And secondly is the role of the parents. Uh, in the spiritual upbringing of their children. And the third is uh, actually sometimes we call it the weekly labor on the local level. Uh, it's really the shepherding in their local church from anyone and everyone besides their parents. So that could be from the serving ones, that could be from college students, that could be from other parents. I shepherd your kids and you shepherd my kids. Um, it could be for anyone in the church life. So even those that are kind of officially serving and those that are not officially serving. And one very good area for, for, for our young people to receive shepherding is actually in the church service. If they're involved with the older saints, just on cleaning, on, on chair arranging, on, on uh, you know, the, doing the the gardening or children's meeting, nursery, and ushering, they're involved with older saints. And they're involved actually more on an equal level, right, equal level. And, and uh, they're not being subjected to a message. They're not there being served, per se. But they're just there doing things, and then, and then we just serve together. Just serve together, get to know one another. You know, I have a very vivid and uh, uh, sweet experience. I'm going to talk about Brother Max here. Hi, Brother Max. You know, we, I, I moved, uh, I think this was after I came back from being in Irvine here. I was still young in my early 20s. And brother, I, was, I was assigned to, uh, uh, I was on gardening. And Brother Max was on gardening. And we, and we served together. We were assigned to do something one Saturday morning. It was at Dunton House, cutting the grass. We are just cutting the grass. And I had never spoken to Brother Max apart from, hi, brother, hi, brother. That day, oh, I found out so much about Brother Max, his testimony and, and, and how he came to the church life. And then he asked questions about me. We got to know each other that day. In a very, I tell you, from that day, Brother Max has been on my heart. And when, I, and when he shares in the meeting, it wasn't just a brother. It was Brother Max. I knew his name. I knew his name. You know, our young people need experiences like this. That they just get, they're, they're woven into the church life this way. And so, um, anyway, we, 
This is a kind of shepherding of saints that are not serving. But I tell you, this is really serving. This is really serving. So we have those three. What's the first one? Shepherding. Second is uh, the parents. Third is actually shepherding. And then the fourth is the uh, conferences or the, the annual events or semi-annual you know, conferences, trainings, and things, things like that. All these four play a role. And, and it, it's not that, you know, uh, one is, is, is more important, this, and, you know, they all have a role. Well, I would say one is more important. That's shepherding. Shepherding is really, really important. And actually, the conferences should be a kind of a environment more than just they get a chance to listen to messages. But it's a particular kind of shepherding. And I tell you, especially when you're driving up to the mountain, you know, going away somewhere, so many rides, so many of those rides, the young people receive shepherding. Then just driving for an hour or maybe it's four hours. You go to somewhere. I know many experiences where it was the ride there and the ride back was nearly the highlight of the whole time because you got to know someone. So what is that? Shepherding. Yeah. So, so here, we'd like to pick up in this, uh, in this first outline. You know, we, we, we did not uh, write this outline. This is actually directly from the uh, Chinese-speaking conference, uh, the International Chinese-speaking Conference, uh, message number five, message five. And it's not the entire outline. We, uh, that outline had three Roman numerals. We picked nu- points two and three. And, and they became one and two on this outline. Um, l- maybe we go through quickly and we some comments and, and uh, release a little, little burden. Um, let's read the title. Let's read the title. Taking Okay, and the Roman one. Now, I'd like to read you the Roman numeral that we omitted. Uh, I think it, it's helpful to, to, to have this. The first point on that outline was John 21, a chapter on shepherding, a chapter on shepherding, is the completion and consummation of the Gospel of John. Shepherding is the key to the Gospel of John. You know, John, of course, is the last of the four Gospels, and it, it bridges into Acts, right? And um, the Gospels really tell us the, the life of the Lord. And even Brother Lee mentioned this, that it seems uh, everything is complete in chapter 20, from John 1 through John 20, right? In, the, in John 1, you have the Word became flesh, and in John 20, you have the breathing of the Spirit. What more do you need? Let's go to the Acts. And then there's the, the Spirit inspired John to add this chapter, story. It, it almost seems not necessary. 
but I'm so happy John 21 is in the Bible. Amen. And you know, this chapter, as you can see from, from the, our Roman one here, this chapter, actually, what the Lord was doing there was merging his heavenly ministry with the apostolic ministry. He was merging these two. You know, it, it has been said that, that we are today in Acts 29. You remember this kind of talk? We've, we've talked like this. We're in Acts 29, right? Which means, of course, if you know the Bible, you, you should know that. Acts only has 28 chapters. Right? But we're in Acts 29, which means it does, doesn't end. It's, it's, we're go, it's going on, right? The Lord is still moving. But uh, when, I, when I got into this, the fellowship from this outline, what I realized is, what are we doing in Acts 29? Practicing John 21. Amen. It should be what we're doing. Practicing John 21. And what is that? Shepherding. Amen. Shepherding. And um, if you, you, you know, this, this story is just so sweet, so interesting. Um, you know, the seven brothers, I, I don't need to say too much detail. I know you all know the seven. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And then the, the others go with him. And then they, all night, and they catch nothing. And then Jesus is on the shore. Jesus is on the shore. And so <clears throat> then he says to them, you know what he says to them? Little children. Little children. You do not have anything to eat, do you? He asks a question. He asks a question. You know, I like to say that, it, you know, by definition, if you are God, you n would never have to ask ever a question. Because what question would you ask to which you do not already know the answer? So why would he ask a question? Shepherding. Shepherding. To, to just to talk to them, to get into their situation. So why don't you put it on the other side? Why don't you put it on the, on the, on the other side? And if you really think about it, these professional fishermen who were fishing all night, how wide do you think the boat was? That it would make a difference if you just went from here to... I mean, if you really get into it and think, with a kind of sanctified imagination. I don't think they went, okay, great, oh. I think like, who's, first they would say, who is that, who is that? They didn't recognize him. And I think, you know, this happens. The Lord comes and they don't recognize him. Much like Luke 24, the two going to Emmaus. Oh, I love these two chapters. They're walking, you know, they were walking where they should, in the direction they should not go. And these brothers were where they should not be. But the Lord went to both places. In Luke, it says, he walked with them. Don't you believe he walked at their pace? They were down, and then they were, they were talking. And then suddenly the Lord kind of is walking and joins them. He says, what are you talking about? What are you discussing? And you know, is it Cle Cleopas? Says, <laughs> you know, it's with an attitude. If you read Luke 24, there's an attitude. 
and say, are you the only one in Jerusalem? Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You're the only one that does not know the things that have transpired these days? It's kind of like, what does he say? What things? What is this? That's shepherding. Did he not know? Did he forget? Oh, that's right. I, I, I died and resurrected. <laughs> no, he knew, but he... And, and if, you, if you continue, in verse 28, in Luke 24, verse, in chapter 24, verse 28, when they get to the point where they're going to split, gets to, they get to the village where they were going. You see, there's a word there. It says, he acted as if he would go further. It's in your Bible. <laughs> Jesus acted. He said, oh, well, okay, this has been very good. I, I, I'm going this way. Was he going? Where did he want to go? He wanted to go to their house. But he acted. What is that? Shepherding. They didn't, but they didn't, still didn't recognize him. Brothers, I think we can learn something from this. You know, in this publication, How to Lead the Young People, are you all familiar with this? You know, you know Brother Lee gives these six points, how to lead the young people. You know, first one is what? Do you remember? Showing interest. Showing interest in people. Second is personal, frequent Contacts. Personal, frequent contacts. Show interest. The third one is practical talks, not doctrine. Application. Speak practical things. The fourth is what? Positive faith. Have positive faith toward people. Which means what? Don't, don't give up on people. Have faith toward people. The, the fifth one is we should match and adapt. Match and adapt. And Brother Lee uses this illustration. Oh, bro Brother Roger, can I just show, show it? Thank you. Yeah, just in case anyone does, is not familiar. And we have this translated. Chinese, Portuguese, Spanish. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and he gives the example of glue. Paste, you know? Elmer's glue, the white paste, fits into every crevice. You know, if you take a rock and you try to fit it, let me see. Sometimes there's a little split in the wood, right? Oh, here's one, here's one, right here. There's a little split right there. If you try to fit a rock into there, you damage. But if you take glue, it fits, just fits. And then the sixth point, Actually, he repeats, pay attention to personal contact. These are, these are, he repeats the first, the uh, first one, the second one. And, and actually, what this, what's fresh to me, brothers, is that I, I see these six points in John 21 and in Luke 24. The, the Lord just, what are, what are you doing? You didn't, you didn't, you don't have anything to eat, do you? And he helps them. He helps them. 
oh, do this. Because when they did what he said, right away, they, right? And we know 153 large fish, and the net was not broken. And of course, then they, you know, Peter, then, no, no, it's John. John says, it's the Lord. Oh, you just picture this. What a scene. Peter jumps into the water. He comes to the shore. Then they, and then the others are lugging the, the fish. Then they get there. There's a fire already going with fish. There's fish here already. You didn't have to catch anything on your own. You should stick with Jesus. He, but then they're here and they, you know, and I, was, I was touched recently that there was a fire. You know, fire has certain functions. You know, fire is for warming. Right? Fire is for cooking. Right? And fire is for light. <laughs> Exposing. <laughs> this all happened there. And so then it says, then when they had eaten breakfast, you know, this is verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, after they fed, then the Lord started working on Peter. Working on Peter. And eventually, what was he doing there? What was he doing? He was restoring Peter. He was strengthening Peter. To what? To become a martyr. And John was there too. You know, I, I, this, this just kind of came to me today. At the end of John 21, you ha- talks about the Lord's return. You know, Peter, the Lord tells Peter, you're, you know, when you were younger, you do whatever you want. Go wherever you want. When you're older, people lead you. And it says this was letting him know that he would be led to death. He would be a martyr. And Peter, of course, in his way, <laughs> what about him? Uh, John, what about this man? He says, oh, if I will that he live until I come. What is that to you? As that shows, some will be martyred. Some will live until he comes. You know, brothers, that's who we're working on right now. Among our young people. We're preparing them for one of these two things. To die for the Lord. And we may be in the age that we will see this. Or to live to see his return. We do believe this is four, four, right? Four. I believe those four. That's what we're working on. That they could see the Lord come back. And some may have to sacrifice. And that's, that's, that's who, whom we are working on and what we are doing. But how? Oh, first we go to the shore. What are you doing? Show some interest. It's, 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 what are you doing? It's not, what are you doing? (laughs) That's our shepherding sometimes. We see the young people do, you know, and we, or we just lose faith, like, these young people. Let, let's look at some of the uh, wording here. Uh, let's read. How, how, about, how about we just go like in sections and read, read through Roman 1. Every section, read a point. Brothers, could you start here? 
Yeah, hey. Amen. How about we go this way, clockwise, brothers? B. Amen. C. Peter was absolutely defeated and it became a complete failure so that he might realize that he was absolutely untrustworthy and should no longer have any confidence in himself. Amen. D here, please. Amen. About E here. The angel's message to the three sisters to discover the resurrection of the slave Savior was for them to go and all his disciples and meet up. Amen. The phrase and Peter Amen. indicates that although Peter had failed, stumbled, and fallen, the Lord had not forsaken him. Amen. Amen. You know, Brother Nee has this very sweet, famous message entitled, And Peter. Just on this, just on this verse. And Peter. And it's very significant that only Mark records this. Mark, who was considered Peter's spiritual son, and probably the source of most of what he wrote in the Gospel of, of Mark. And the other brothers were not impressed by this. But he was impressed by this. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. But brothers, this, 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 um, John 21, it's not just verses 15, 16, and 17 on shepherding. This is what I, I, I'm trying to convey to you. <laughs> you know, you read the, the Lord, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, I love you. Well, sh you know, feed, actually, it's first, feed my lamb. And then again, do you love me? And then, uh, shepherd my sheep. Uh, do you love me? Well, feed my sheep. It's actually three different. The Lord said three different things. And I was younger. I, I always thought it was just exactly the same. That's how I used to read the Bible. But he says three different things because people could be at three different levels. They could be the youngest ones that need feeding. They could be the ones that are going on properly that just need shepherding. Just point the way to the grass. And they can eat on their own. Or they may be the older ones that are sick or something that they still need to be fed. They're older, but they still need to be fed. Not judged. At this, in this story, the Lord was feeding the sheep. And so it's not just those three verses. Actually, the whole chapter shows us Shepherding. And shows us the Lord's way. And, and uh, brothers, this is so important for our, for our young people. For our young people. All, for all of them. The ones who come and the ones who don't come. Because I think in many of our places, we, we have a list. And our attendance in the meeting is maybe 50 to 60%. And there are some who don't come. But we need to go and tell them. You'll see this at the end. Go and tell them the church doesn't condemn anyone. We just, we just love everyone. But the way of going is, is 
this example in John 21 and in Luke 24. It very, it speaks, just, speaks a lot. It just speaks a lot. Um, uh, number two, I think we're this section. Could we read two? May. Could we read these verses, uh, the, the last set of verses, Isaiah 49? Verses 15 and 16. Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. Maybe we could start from 14. Isaiah 49, 14, 15 and 16. Let's read together. But Zion has said, Here, here it says that the Lord's people were complaining, Jehovah has forsaken me, forgotten me. Then the Lord responds, can a woman forget her nursing child? When you see the, you know, the nursing mothers, they, I mean, they, they hear a little whimper. Right? Most. Because it says even these forget. So there may be some bad nursing mothers. But the Lord said, but I would never forget you. But then it says, I've engraved you in the palms of my hand. So that, that shows the Lord is not just holding us. Because if he's holding you, maybe he could drop you. You know, you stumble. Oops. But if it's engraved, even you can never get rid. This is the shepherding attitude. I hope we could just infuse all the serving saints. We, we, we need this. We need this. But first, we need to see that we are on the Lord's heart like this. This is his heart toward us. He could never forsake us. Right? Maybe for time, let's jump down to Roman uh, 2. Maybe these brothers here? Could you read? Taking... Continue. A. Okay, and brothers, this is really the, the burden, this phrase, intimate concern. Intimate concern. You know, this comes from ministry on 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And if you look at the outline for 2 Corinthians 7, it talks about intimate concern for right before verse 2. And if you read the footnote for this verse, it talks about intimate concern. Paul had this concern, this intimate concern for the Corinthians of all people. Because actually, we know from the, all the churches that he dealt with, the most problems in Corinth. 
Even they accuse him of things. They accuse him. You know, we read the verse, loving you more abundantly and my love less. They were saying, you're not an apostle. You're not a real apostle. Paul says, maybe I'm not an apostle to anybody, but I am to you. What do you want? I'll come with you. Spirit of love or, no, spirit of meekness or rod. Oh, how intimate is that? <laughs> you know, you don't speak to, you know, I know Durham's children. I can't talk to them like that. What, you want a spanking? But my own kids, well, I used to. Can't do, don't do that now, but. Hey, you know, as a, as a father, that's how he spoke to them. As a father. Intimate concern. And the point here, brothers, is that we could do a lot. You know, we could try to apply all the things that we've been talking about. Truth. We have a good summer school of truth. Life. We give good messages on life. Uh, church, we set them up in the services and we try to get them into the church life. We prepare them for the prophesying meeting. Gospel. Oh, we encourage them, even maybe push them to preach the gospel, set up. But if we don't have the intimate concern, then actually it's very possible that they get a, a kind of a feeling or the feeling we convey is that we just want them to be part of our program. And if they don't come up to this standard, we're disappointed in that. So we have to be careful what we convey. And here we'll read this. Brother Lee says, this is the reason for the fruitlessness in our work. The lack of intimate concern. And in my experience, actually, the only way is to be before the Lord. You know, we were encouraged these three days, right? Very much, very often. Spend adequate time with the Lord, be with the Lord, you know, pray, pray, read, and let the Lord's heart be infused into our heart. Because eventually, I think with all of us, we, we face this. The ones that we're burdened for exhaust our patience. <laughs> Maybe not all of them, but there'll always be some, and there'll always be at least one. <laughs> and every locality is blessed with some like this. That no matter what you do, it seems, they don't understand you. They, but do we still have the concern? Okay, let, let's uh, finish the, the, the reading. Let's, uh, we're up to one. Is that this, brothers here? In this pie section, one. A. Do you all know this reference? Exodus 23, 19. It says, Thou shalt not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Oh, I don't know about you, but the first time I read the Bible, I was reading through the Old Testament, and I came to this verse. My, actually, my reaction was, Ooh, why? I, actually, I, was, I, I have to admit, I still remember the feeling. I was, I don't want to say offended, but I was really bothered with the Lord. I said, Lord, why would you have a verse like this in the Bible? This is not worthy to be a verse scripture. <laughs> Boil a kid in its mother's milk. I don't, I just, why is it there? But we've, we learned 
put things on the shelf, and then just keep going. And I was in my Bible reading, Bible reading. So I did that. I finished. Then I read again the following year, and it was still there. So, and I still didn't get. And it was about three times. Then uh, I was living here in Anaheim at the time, and I went to a ministry meeting on the life study of Exodus, Exodus 23. And Brother Lee shared that one night. I was like, wow, every, every serving one must know this verse. <laughs> this is, you cannot serve properly if you don't know the principle here. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Amen. <laughs> I'm so happy this is a verse in the Bible. Of course, you know, really we should kind of connect it with second, 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Right. As newborn babes, long for the guileless milk of the word. The milk is for feeding, especially the newborns. But it's possible to take a newborn, and instead of putting the milk into them, you put them into the milk, <laughs> then you heat the milk, and then you boil them. So you kill them. And that's not your intention. It's never your intention. But how many of us would say, hmm... Maybe, even more than maybe. I know. My, yeah, I, I have to repent now when I see this. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. And sometimes, you know, our, our reactions to situations is kind of hot. You know, uh, recently I was in a certain place and we gave a strong word concerning the matter of moral relativism and the age that we're in and homosexuality and the next day uh, I got a note from a sister a young girl and she said please don't let anyone read this and then she went off so I went to my room and I read and she was in that and she wanted help. And then, that same day, a brother came. Hey, brother, I need to talk to you. And I didn't know it was that urgent, so I kept putting him off, putting it off, because I had several appointments. The last day of the conference, finally. <laughs> I'm a bad shepherd. I said, brother, what, what do you want to talk about? And then he confessed the same thing. That he was in this. What's, your, what's, what's our reaction? What's our reaction? This is gross, gross sin. It's a gross sin. We like to say something about this at the end. And we're facing this now in the churches. In, in every country that I visit, we, we, it's, and our young people are living amidst this, and they're facing, especially in, here in, in, in the U.S. It's so strong. I'm afraid for some of the saints' reaction if you would confront someone that would, or one of our young people. Would you, <gasps> oh, Lord. Oh, you know, that one, you, they're close. You could lose them with one reaction. You know what, actually, what we'd like to fellowship in a few minutes is what we should share 
publicly. And that must be very strong and very clear. However, in our shepherding, how we apply that, we, we have to take this point of still intimate concern. Shepherd people. So that, that, that sister, um, I asked another serving sister to come and we made an appointment and we spoke to her. And it, we were, well, I, I, was, I was there for maybe 30 minutes and then the sister stayed with her for an hour total. Oh, the sister was floating the rest of the conference. She got delivered from that in one night. Just instantly got delivered from that sin. And she's going on now. And she actually went back and dealt with something in a very strong way. But she's so happy. All her emails are full of joy. But, but it has a lot to do with our initial reaction. And then when we were with her, by Lord's mercy, we didn't boil. We fed to strengthen her. Out. And with the brother, actually, it was very similar. And, and there's a, there, one of the serving brothers is shepherding him, following up with him, following up. These are two cases. It's not they had friends that were, they didn't know how to deal with. It's that they themselves were in this. But they got delivered. But we, ha we have to, we have to have the intimate concern. Right? Let, let's finish the reading, then maybe we'll come back to this, uh, to this point. We're up to B, right? Is it uh, uh, the pie section here? Brothers, Roger, your section. B? If we have... Yes. Together. Uh, B. Amen. Point two here, brothers. Amen. Brothers, three. Amen. If we would minister life to the saints, we must have a genuine concern for them, a concern that is emotional, deep. When you read Paul's epistles, very often you touch his emotion. He's very emotional, especially with the Corinthians. He says, oh, Corinthians, says, our, our hearts are enlarged toward you. Make room for us. There's no room in your heart for me. This is a pleading, a plea, a cry. We need to learn how to talk to our young people this way. Let's, let's continue. This section here. Love is the most excellent way Amen. for us to be anything and to do anything for the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. One. We must have the kind of love to go and tell the dormant ones who think that the church condemns them 
that the church does not condemn anyone. Rather, the church wants to see all the dormant ones come back. And this is not just with the young people. This is with all, every age group. There are some. And, and it's, it's, it's hard for them when they've been away a period of time to, 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 to return. There's shame, there's feeling, there's, there, there is with many a sense of condemnation. And th that they think we are judging. We need to assure them. None of us is worthy. To, we, we're not qualified to be a judge. This is the next point. Let's read 2, 3, 4 together. Without the Lord's mercy, Amen. But love builds up. Okay, maybe some of the other brothers will share more on this point uh, later. Um, I'd like to come back now to this point concerning homosexuality. Um, as I said, I know we, we are facing this, and our kids face this in the schools. They have questions among their friends, and it's, it's a big topic uh, in... in uh, um, here, here in the U.S. And, and I know our state, New York State, just legalized uh, gay marriage last year. Um, you had the prop, was it the prop eight? Prop eight the, you know, back and forth with that. But in the Northeast, it's very strong. Um, and um, then it came up recently. What there was uh, one NFL player, uh, not a, sorry, a college player who declared for the draft and uh, that he is, he came out that he's gay. And so now the NFL, ha you know, has to deal with this. And, and it was, I remember the day that, that that came out. Every news outlet was covering that. I wanted to hear about sports. They're talking about this. I had to turn it off. But they're covering, and, and now it, they're, they're watching the teams. Ah, will you, will you take him? Why didn't you take him? Is it because he, he declared this? Oh, and then they're ready to, to pounce. And then the Olympics. The Olympics, because Russia has a certain stance. So one good thing about Russia. <laughs> yeah. Oscar's not here. Oscar's not here. Anyway. No, I, 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 talk, I talked to them about that. I was there giving a college conference three, three weeks ago. I, yeah, I talked to them about this. Um, and so, of course, the U.S. purposely sends some gay athletes and, and to make a statement. U.S. So the, the things, you know, it just, you know. So... Um, yeah, we're, our kids are growing up in Sodom. Growing up in Sodom. So we, we have been bur burdened, brothers, that you know, we, we've gotten questions from many uh, recent conferences and so on, and, and you know, how to handle this si uh, situation. So we'd just like to say, uh, just briefly, a couple of principles. Um, and like I said, it's really along two lines. One is, what do we share? to our young people, to inoculate them, and to equip them to face this. And then, how do we shepherd them? 
how do we shepherd? Because it's two different things. The shepherding is based on what, uh, on what we say, but our way in shepherding okay, is not like giving the messages. Okay? So I, I'd like to maybe just present these three points first on how, what we share. Um, and the first thing, uh, this is just, we've had a fellowship about this, and, and we actually came to the same conclusion, Brother Tom and I had, have extensive fellowship about this recently. The first thing is that we should make it clear that God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. God hates sin, any sin, and every sin. And we should have the same feeling as God towards sin. But he loves the sinners. He loves the sinners. So we don't hate anyone. We love everyone. The Bible says God so loved the world. And since we are one with God, we also love the world. Like John 3.16. Not like 1 John 2.15. You know, 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world. Okay, in that sense, we don't love the world. But John 3.16 says, God loved the world. Okay, then. We love the people, even the fallen people of the world. Not the system of the world, but the people. Because every human being is a vessel created for God. Amen. Everyone, everyone, no matter what they look like, no matter how they're dressed, no matter how they act, they are a three-part vessel for God. Amen. And we really love them. Amen. And we want all of them to know Christ Amen. and be in God's eternal purpose. That, that is really our heart. That is really our heart. So, so we're not against anyone. We're not against anyone. And I would say, uh, in however you present this, what you really are doing is you need to disarm the young people. Because, because as soon as you start to touch this, oh, the society is, what are you going to say? It's on the defensive. So, so, we need to disarm them. And many of them, many of our young people, growing up in what is increasingly a liberal education, they, they don't realize how much they're affected already. They don't realize how much they're affected. They don't, they don't realize how defensive they become. Okay, so that's the first thing. God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Okay. The second thing, is that, well, sin is sin. And the Bible says, this is sin. I was in one place recently, and, I, and we were sharing, picking up the messages from the winter training on Abraham, and we brought out something about Lot, and so we talked about this point, homosexuality, and I said, you know, the Bible, you know, homosexuality is a sin. There was one child, eighth grader, seventh grader, sitting in the second row here. And he just, <laughs> so genuine, he goes, it is? <laughs> he just blurted it out. It is? He just didn't know. Now, I don't know that child's background, grew up in the church life or not. I don't, I don't know. Actually, probably not. But some of the, our kids don't know. Because we haven't told them. We haven't presented to them. 
and there are many verses. And we could, I, I don't want to take the time to, to go through them, but I could, I could list them if you're writing down, you could, you know. Um, Romans 1, 27 and 28, I, we will come to read those in a few moments. Leviticus 18, 22, that shows, and Leviticus 20, 13, these two show in the Old Testament God's attitude towards such a sin. It needs to be purged from the children of Israel. Genesis 19.5, Judges 19.22, 1 Corinthians 6.9, 1 Timothy 1.10, and Jude 6 and 7. So we'll just leave that for, for you. The Bible says this is sin, so we say this is sin. And whether it's politic, politically correct or not does not concern us. What concerns us is what God says. Amen. So we just repeat what the Bible says. This is sin. This is sin. Hmm. Repeat them? I will. Romans 1, 27 and 8. Leviticus 18, 22. Leviticus 20, 13. Genesis 19.5, Judges 19.22. Did I give you that one before? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6.9, 1 Timothy 1.10, and Jude 6 and 7. Okay. And again, I think maybe some of the brothers will strengthen this point. Oh, uh, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I will try Our brother just said it's very practical, uh, but I feel uh, this, of course, this is a very, very serious matter. Uh, I want to uh, approach this matter from two aspects. The first aspect is uh, if we want to help anyone, young one, older one, especially if we want to help those Christians, my feeling was we need to first approach this matter in a positive way, talking about the positive uh, thing, not say this is positive. We need to equip all the Christians on the positive thing. I believe all of you here, you know that our God Eternal has eternal purpose, eternal economy. And so, so those of you who know me way back, many years ago, I encourage people to memorize Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. <laughs> you remember, right? Yes. Okay, what does that uh, verse say? God said, let us make man in our image and to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over all, and over every earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So we need to equip all our young people, even older ones. God created us because He has a purpose. He has an eternal purpose. 
uh, and also eternal economy. And uh, so God created us, has, his, uh, ha has his reason. Who is the creeping thing that creeps upon the earth? We all know the creeping thing creep in in Genesis chapter 3. That's Satan. And then, a few years ago, once I came to, to uh, this uh, gathering, uh, I specifically mentioned, I remember what I said right there, but maybe you probably don't remember. I especially mentioned that in the universe, there is a warfare going on. And uh, this war is between Satan and God. So we have to see that we are in environment, in the whole universe, we are in this war. And uh, so then this war is between Satan and God. So which side should we choose? Of course, every Christian should say we choose God's side. We cannot choose Satan's side. And uh, here you have to see that uh, why out of a sudden, you know, even five years ago, this matter of uh, homosexuality was, was a shameful thing. Those, uh, this kind of people, they still feel shameful and they did not want to, to boast this and, uh, and talk about this. It is just within these four years, out of a sudden things changed. Why this happened? You have to see, it, this is absolutely Satan's work. It is not, uh, when we talk about these things, it, it is not that, oh, we just respect people's freedom. Uh, everyone has the, the right to choose uh, what kind of uh, life they want to, to, to uh, live. But we Christians we have to be very clear about one thing, that uh, whether it is your own choosing, want to choose this kind of life or not, we can assure this is Satan's work. And uh, we be actually, we can say that uh, we can very boldly say, say Satan's purpose is what? He wants to, he hopes that every human being will be homosexual. Because once everybody's homosexual, then human being will disappear in this universe. Then Satan can go back sleep in peace. So we have to see this. If we Christians don't see this, then we're in bad shape. So this is not that we uh, despise these people and uh, we have to see these people are under Satan's control. And uh, they, uh, this, those liberalisms word help people to, they think they have the right to choose whatever the kind of uh, 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 lifestyle they, they want to, the, everybody has the, the, the freedom to choose. But then, at, at least to all the questions, we have to, to impress them, you have to see that, that this is Satan's work. This is, Satan is the creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And the, why? God created we human being. God does not want to, to fight with Satan directly. He did not want to lower his 
position uh, to, to fight with uh, Satan. But that's why God created us, we human beings. We are God's creative ones. And uh, so God wants to use us to deal with Satan. So this has to be very clear. And uh, then, so that's why Satan hates us. Satan wants to wipe, wipe out all people, the whole uh, away, uh, in the universe. So we have to see this is what actually going on. I think, so uh, in other words, we approach this from a positive side. God has his eternal economy and has his eternal uh, purpose. And God created us. And uh, therefore, and also there's a war going on. And uh, instead of standing on Satan's side and help Satan to accomplish his uh, purpose, then that no real Christian, if you see this, will want to stand on the Satan's side. Right? So we have to, to help all the Christians to see this point. Now this is on one uh, hand. Another hand, we have to help the people as early as possible. You know, today you can see this is another Satan's work is going in the schools. When my older daughter uh, went to elementary school, you don't have this problem. So then, so my, uh, my wife and I, we, we don't worry about anything, and so we did not go uh, to the, the school, uh, join the, uh, the parents' uh, association. But my younger daughter uh, is 13 years uh, younger than my older daughter. But at the time when my younger daughter went into uh, kindergarten, they already have this pictures, homosexual pictures. And uh, so get to the, the kindergarten uh, students. They have this kind of pictures, and the two, two men uh, live, uh, I mean, sleep uh, together, and two women sleep together. They started. Don't take this as uh, uh, accidental. Satan specifically, oh, Satan's work start very early. So, so let these the, let these young people think, oh, this is nothing. Uh, this is the, the way it is. And uh, so that's why when my second daughter get into uh, uh, the, 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 the king, kindergarten, then later elementary school, it's all top schools. So my wife saw this, then she joined the, the uh, the parents' uh, uh, association. Uh, we believe still at this time, still many uh, uh, parents are still uh, on, on, the, on our side. And so then we need to uh, help the school and so to uh, start our uh, preparation, our uh, help incarnation now, I, um, no uh, our side we have to to equip uh, the parents and also equip the students as early as possible Amen. so this is what uh, I, I feel that uh, it's a very urgent matter
Dennis, remember the, uh, the, the, um, those books that they put into the curriculum with that rainbow curriculum? Remember something like Susie has two daddies or something like that? We were, we were fighting that. That was already, that was more than. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. In New York City, they were trying. They started to introduce that, or trying to, into the kindergarten curriculum. First kindergarten or first kin kindergarten? Yeah. Destroying the proper humanity. That's one of the. That's the big point. Yeah. Um, I just want. I want to. Uh, the third point that I want to bring out. I'll, I'll end with this. Is the. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.10 and Romans 1.27 and 8. And the point is this. You can be delivered from this sin. The Bible tells us you can be delivered from this sin. Yeah, we should read those verses so that, so that we all are, are uh, very clear what the Word says. 6... Uh, Yeah, First Corinthians. Yeah, we really need to read nine, ten, and eleven. Nine, ten, and eleven. So the reference I gave you before was 10. It should be 9, 10, 11. So the key phrase is, such things were some of you. That shows that we can be delivered from this. You can be washed from this. You can be washed. Therefore, therefore, it's not genetic. There's a big, you, you know, they're trying to convince us that this is genetic. How, this is not logical, first, that God would condemn something that he created. If you're saying it's genetic, then you're saying it's by nature. And if God created us this way, then how could he condemn that? That's not logical. But the Bible says you can be delivered, washed from this. And we also need to look at Romans chapter 1. Uh, verses 27 and 8. Actually, we can start with 26. Romans 1, 26. Therefore God gave them up to passions of dishonor, for their females exchanged the natural use for that which is contrary to nature. Contrary to nature. They're doing something contrary to nature. That's not how God created us. If you go that way, you're going against God's creation. 27, and likewise also the males, leaving the 
natural use, natural use of the female, burned in their craving toward one another, males with males committing unseemliness and fully receiving in themselves the retribution of their error, which was due. And even as they did not approve of holding God in their full knowledge, God gave them up to a disapproved mind to do the things which were not fitting. The key phrase is in 26, contrary to nature. Contrary to nature. And I, I, I hope we could consider how to present this in, in, in the proper time. Uh, of course, this is not a central focus of any of our ministry. But if we're going to shepherd them in this age, we have to be equipped and they have to be inoculated. And, and of course, some of them, and we'll come to the other side now about how to shepherd them. Some of them, we're talking about their friends. We're talking about their cousins. So if we have, if we convey the attitude of an improper spirit, that won't, then they won't receive the help from us. So we have to be careful how we present this. And never at all condoning. We're very clear. But especially, I would say, brothers, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed if cases rise up from among us that someone is leaning this way. And you know, what I've discovered is that uh, the stronghold is the mind, the thoughts. This one particular case, the reason that this sister went that direction is because it was suggested, she was told, you know why? Because she never had a boyfriend. You know, we think, hey man, She's kept herself. But then her friends say, you never had a boyfriend? You're 16? You're 19? And they, you must be. You must be. You must be. And then this girl, her immediate family is in the church life, but not her extended family, cousins. and So the family members, oh, you probably are. You probably are. You probably are. And, and, you, and, and you know what? Just, just one time, it, the thought, maybe I am caught. And then, curiosity. Curiosity. So we need to be, we need to help them. We need to help them. According to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, the, this battle that Brother Benjamin was talking about, this battle is focused in our mind, over our thoughts, over our thoughts. The philosophies of the age affect the mind, the thinking, the reasoning, the evaluation of our second generation. But I tell you, it's possible to help them because we have, by the Lord's mercy. We've had a number, actually. I, I, it's a shame that we've had a number, but I would say, thank the Lord, that they were open. That, they, that somehow they had the confidence. And I don't know how long they were suffering before they could really come forward and, and say this to someone. And then we just helped them. We just helped them. And I tell you, I still can remember that one sister. It was, it was instantaneous. It was instantaneous. And the joy that came in after it. But she had to deal with something. She had to deal with you have to be thorough. 
We have to help them to be thorough. But I tell you, the joy that comes is, is really marvelous. So may, maybe I'll just uh, uh, say that much. Yeah. Over the years, brothers, we've had a number of questions that came up at our conferences. Uh, you know, we have kind of concluded that, you know, in the weekly church life, the, the young people's meetings that we have in the churches, there's not very many opportunities to address this matter, whether it's dating or BGR, they call it, boy-girl relationships, or even this very sensitive matter. But when we have the conferences, then we can, because if, you have, if you're in your locality and one of your kids has a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and so you have this burden, then everyone knows that you're talking about him, you know, so it's sensitive. But when you have a conference, you can speak from the podium in a declarative way, in a bold way to inoculate them. And so this is about the only time when we, other than shepherding, where we can, you know, blow the trumpet in a clear way. And, uh, you know, uh, actually the feeling that I personally have, we, we brothers in Southern California have been fellowshipping this way, that we cannot miss one opportunity. Every conference, we have to give another inoculation. Even six months goes by, and their brains, their minds, their concepts are already being pickled with the conventional wisdom, the tide of the age, and the, you know, the current social things. So the brothers who minister in the conferences have to become quite skillful uh, you know, to confirm some of the things that Brother Ricky was saying is, is this. You see, right now, the gay activists dominate the dialogue. They are controlling the dialogue entirely, which means if you disagree with them, you're a hater, you're a homophobe, you're a, a bigot, and you're labeled this. And as soon as you're labeled that, you lose your voice. You no longer have credibility. You no longer have even uh, the ability to say something positively because they've written you off. And so this is the mindset that is getting into our young generation. So I feel like, brothers, we have to be very wise to catch the dialogue, get it back. And this is why we strengthen this very first point. And that is this. We don't hate anybody. It's very good to even start like this. God loves the world. And we are like Him. We love the world. We love all the people of the world. We are sinners. They are sinners. We're all the same. We love them because the God who lives in us loves them. And we talk about love. His dying for them. His care for them. Sinners. And that portion in 1 Corinthians 6, it mentions a, a number of them, fornicators and homosexuals and drunkards and uh, greedy. And, you know, there's a whole list of sinful kind of people that the Lord died for them. And when we receive his salvation, we could have the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the spirit. And we can be healed and restored of our sinful lives. So this is point number one. This catches back the dialogue. Now, we don't hate anybody. We got questions in the conferences. Why does God hate gay people? We got a question um, 
I was at a college conference not that long ago, and someone turned in a question, I'm gay, what should I do? It was challenging. Challenging. And, uh, you know, like, and, you know, the, the entire audience is on his side. I mean, I, you could feel it when you, you're about to answer the question. And they they want to know, okay, how's he going to handle this one, you know? Uh, you know, so this is a big inoculation. We don't, because we don't agree with them, it doesn't mean we hate them. No, no, no. We love them. And it's good to, this is clear, this is logical. You know, we don't hate people. Come on. We love people. And because we don't agree with something doesn't mean we hate people. We love people. So we have to make this clear. Then there's another point. I believe we should make very strong and clear. It's an inoculation, and it's this. Never, ever think that you were born this way. You were not born this way. Never accept the thought that you might be this way. You know, uh, Ricky's right. Some of the kids, uh, the boys especially, sometimes are a little effeminate in their mannerisms, and they're bullied from the time they're seventh grade gay, you know, he's gay, and they make fun of you, oh, he's gay, and, and uh, they begin to accept this kind of thought. God made them male and female. Amen. That's the Bible. Amen. And it's always good to use the Word of God when you talk about this. You know, he made them male and female. You know, in California, they have this law that was passed about these uh, bathrooms, you know, uh, what do they call it? Unisex or, or unisex. yeah, you could decide what, whether you're a boy or a girl. And you, if you're a girl, you can, I mean, if you're in a man's body, but you think you're a girl, you can use the girl's bathroom and, and so forth. And so all kinds of, I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And so we have to just read the Bible. What is it? Genesis 1, 28. Is it 28? He made them male and female. And marriage. In Luke 19, I mean Matthew 19, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall be one flesh. So the word of God is quite clear. But these two things, we don't, love, we don't hate people, we love people, and number two, never think that you're that kind of a person. Uh, I believe these are, at least when we are uh, speaking, we're trying to inoculate so that uh, it disarms the people. Yeah, one. That are caught in pornography. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a difficult kind of question, and it's something that we're dealing with a lot. You know, the porn, porn industry targets, what, seventh grade boys. That is their target. And they want to addict them or capture them. What's that? Oh, it'd be like 12. Right at the beginning of puberty. And so... Uh, you know, even in the training or in our campus labors, we, we come across brothers that are, or, or sisters even opening up this matter and, and how we can help them. And uh, 
You know, th this fellowship Ricky gave us about having the intimate concern of a ministering life is really, uh, really precious. Um, I I'll just mention a couple of principles that uh, we use and uh, has been helpful. Number one, it's very good for them to open it up. Number one, see, what makes this such an insidious kind of plague is that it's anonymous and it's so easily accessible and that, you know, uh, nobody, nobody, nobody knows. So once you disclose this to another person, of course it needs to be maintained in the strictest of confidence. You could ruin a person uh, if you said a word about it. Um, the, the second thing I'd just like to mention about it is that the more you focus on it, the more power it has. This is one of the uh, tricks, not tricks. Yeah, the enemy's attack is to get us to focus on it. It's like our temper. Brother Lee always uses temper in the ministry. Wherever you read temper in the ministry, insert this. And you can get a lot of answers. Uh, because the enemy will come and accuse, and then you'll begin to feel, yeah, the reason I'm not growing in life is because I have this problem with my temper. If I could just overcome my temper, then I'll, I'll, I'll grow in life, I'll become an elder, and then a, a co-worker and an overcomer. And so your whole being is focused on overcoming that. So you pray for it, you seek the Lord for it, you desperately. We should always reject any sin, every, every sin. Shameful, it's humiliating and shameful and, and filthy. And so our attitude is never to uh, be cavalier about it, never to make it seem like it's no big thing. It, it's a big thing, it's a terrible thing. But on the other hand, we have to immediately come back to the Lord to eat and enjoy the Lord. The answer to every problem is to eat the Lord Jesus. And if you have to shepherd a brother who has this problem, then eat with him. Eat with him. And uh, to set the mind on overcoming this kind of sin is equal to setting the mind on the flesh. It's death. Uh, this may seem, uh, you know, I don't want this, you know, I'm worried about Normally, this fellowship is done one-on-one -on -one in, in private with a brother. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, laboring with him. But most of the time, it's because they, they're not enjoying the Lord. They're not eating. They're not in the meetings that much. You need to get over this. If you want to have a proper marriage, if you're single, even if you're married and you're caught in this, uh, Brother, you have to flee. This, is, this will destroy your life. And uh, you need help, desperate help. But this is the help, is that you never minimize it. You never say that it's not a problem or not that big of a deal. We're not minimizing this at all. But on the other hand, uh, we can't focus. Our being is focused on Christ. 
on eating him and enjoying him. You need to set up a schedule to read the Bible. You need to set up a schedule to take in the word by prayer in a desperate way every day. Uh, it may not, just like temper, it may not go away immediately. But it's probably better not to say that. Well, it's okay to say that. That's the way it is in God's economy. No problems are solved in a hurry. Uh, but they are all, they're solved by, by life. I don't know if the brothers want to say, say more about it. Brothers, some of these things that we're dealing with, we, who would have ever thought that we would be facing these kind of situations and dealing with them? So, anyway, I, I don't want to say take up any more time. I'd, I'd like, I have something I'd like to share in the second session, so I'm going to try and save my, my burden for that. <laughs> Sorry, though, this... This is a kind of nasty work that we're talking about. Sorry. Uh, you know, there's a, an interesting thing in Genesis 19. Go back and read Genesis 19 again, if you dare, uh, on Lot and the angels coming to rescue Lot. You remember in the story, Lot steps outside the door to beg the men not to bother the, the angels. Please. And you know what the reaction was? It's interesting reaction of these men outside. You're a sojourner here, and already you've become a judge over us. Are you judging me? That's, it's interesting. The reaction, you know, what is that? How many thousand years ago? And it's the same reaction. You're judging me. You know, it's when he offered his two daughters. Anyway, <laughs> lot should be judged. <laughs> anyway, I'll stop. Gallup, there was a Gallup poll. You know, Gallup agency, they do the poll, polling, especially political uh, races and so on. Uh, sample size was 200,000 people across every state of the United States. And the question was this, do you identify yourself as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender? Just that one question. Synonymous kind of thing. Do you know what they, the result? The percentage of the gay population, I mean, they extrapolate that, of course, you know, sample size and all that. Uh, 3%. 3 3 3 to 3.5%. 3.5%. You know, uh, we had last year, 2013. And, um, I was at a young people's conference, actually in, in our area, February, and I asked just our young people, I asked our young people before telling them this, and I asked by a kind of show of hands, I said, how many of you think that uh, the gay population in America is 20% or more, and a third of our young people raised their hand? Because that's the impression they have. Then I asked, okay, how many between 10 and 20%? Another, another third went up. Then, of course, 10 or less would be the other third. All the serving ones hadn't raised their hands yet. <laughs> and and then, then I said, how many do you think 5% or less 
and you know, as the serving ones, hardly any of the kids. So they were they were very surprised at this. Yeah, and and one very surprising detail about this survey was that nearly every state was around the same. Three percent. Nearly every state. Now, certain cities different. San Francisco. You have any brothers from San Francisco here? Fifteen percent. Seattle, twelve or thirteen percent. Yeah. Washington, D.C., ten percent. I thought it's very interesting that the political capital, ten percent. And we know that Hollywood, the percentage is more. These, especially these two places, control the dialogue. The political center and the entertainment industry. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just found, I, I, I just found this one day and on, on, you know, probably Yahoo News or something, and I looked into it. And I just looked it up. I just uh, Googled just gay population, United States. And it's third or fourth point. On you could maybe look at it more. Yeah. I just want to let you know, let you know that. You know, about five years ago, I did a search and it was like 1.67. And so this last four or five years has been so promoted and uh, uh, popularized. Maybe we could pray a little bit, huh, brother? Yeah, right.